0: ulterior One more part one more installment of this series just 20 more songs to get through and Like I kind of alluded to at the end of part four these are 20 of the Greatest songs I have ever heard in my life. I really it did my due diligence and I tried to make sure that the top 20 really spoke to and summarized what the year meant to me and what it amounted to. I truly do believe that these 20 songs are the ones that have stuck with me the most and each of them in their own unique ways have done something to impact not just how i feel about music but perhaps also how i feel about life in general and everything that goes on outside of you know that fourth wall for music per se so yeah this is super fucking special and i want to treat it as such So, per how I usually go about the final part of the series, so up until now, the song clips were 20 seconds long, approximately. That is being bumped up to 40. So, each clip will be double the length that it was before, and that is done to kind of add, you know, this extra spotlight, in a way, onto all 20 of these tracks. And the explanations will get a little bit deeper and go on for a little bit longer and some of this will be tangential and I'll be waffling and I don't apologize for any of that because this is my time and my outlet to really express what it is about these 20 songs that mean so much to me, you know? So I will go ahead and play the usual intro and then just get right into it the top 20 songs of 2023 culminating in number one being the recipient of the third annual Levi and Armin award thank you so much thank you for tapping in and I really hope you guys enjoy this final part Number 20 is The Way It Is by Varsity. There is a variety of bands out there who take metalcore and mix it with these layers inspired by R&B and pop. And just for my own opinion and my own money, there is no band out there right now in that realm who is on the level of varsity. Varsity have taken that top spot and they just run that echelon they run the game when it comes to putting out material that sound this specific way and i feel like the way it is was a track that i i kind of did not show it as much love and appreciation as i really should have back when it came out as a single and I'm not totally sure why it is. Like, yeah, it's it, it might be a song that, you know, you need it to, to grow on you and kind of go through that journey with it to really discover just how fucking excellent it is. But I also kind of think that I did a disservice to Varsity and the album Levitate and the song here the way it is by doing so. I think the way it is, what it has going for it is just... Like atmosphere and aura. There is something so, like, um, atmospheric, I guess, about the way that it opens and that wall of sound coming in. The way that it kind of feels like everything is bubbled up a little bit in the verses for Joey to have this pathway to just lay over his vocals. And Joey is. Consistently, in my opinion, one of the most impressive and consistent vocalists of the year. He is a safe bet. You can always count on him to be, in some ways, heads and shoulders above a lot of his contemporaries. And the chorus on The Way It Is was the brightest spot for varsity, in my opinion, this year. It is so singable and easy to get lost in it feels like I'm listening to a band that is on their like sixth or seventh record cycle and not a band that is still kind of being exposed to the eyes of the audience the way that varsity is it has angst it has emotion it is so driven by every characteristic of varsity that has been able to make them the powerhouse that I view them as and the powerhouse that I want everybody else in the scene to regard them as because Varsity is getting to a point now where it's it's not acceptable anymore for them to be overlooked. You kind of... Okay, I, I shouldn't say you need to get on Varsity's train because none of you guys need to do anything, but if you want to see a band that is excelling at everything they do be launched into the stratosphere, then Varsity is a band that really does warrant the support and the adulation from all of their peers and fans and everybody alike. I think the way it is, is the one song this year above anything else they did that really emphasized that to me. It is just so unapologetically catchy and the rhythm is right there. Everything about this song is on point, firing on all cylinders to the utmost extent. Varsity outdid themselves on the way it is. And this truly is one of the top Two or three songs they've ever done, and it really could just be number one. I, I might be overcomplicating that. Number 19 is Watch My Promise Die by Dying Wish. Y'all know that meme of Ralph Wiggum in the back of a bus and he chuckles and says, I'm in danger? That's basically what happens with the intro to Watch My Promise Die and that snare drum, you can, you can hear it like very uh, thunderously and then once in a while, the rest of the band comes in and then it kind of stops for a moment, quiets down and then it, it's like the, the dark clouds that surround Watch My Promise Die start to open up and there is a a beam of light shining through in the form of Emma's voice. And that's kind of um, like an oxymoron because I'm saying beam of light, but she's just fucking screaming right into your ear. And it was the most fucking beast way that Dying Wish could have kicked off the, or not kicked off, but, you know, furthered the cycle and the rollout for the album Symptoms of Survival. And I feel that way because, to me, Watch My Promise Die doesn't just feel like the most cumulative song on this record, but it might be the most cumulative song that Dying Wish have ever put out. It is just littered with all of their influences, and you can hear bits of not just metalcore, but thrash metal and hardcore all alike being amalgamated into Watch My Promise Die, and what you get out of that is a song that just very clearly speaks the mission statement of Dying Wish and everybody involved just turning themselves up to 11 to make this monstrosity of a song a fucking beautiful monstrosity at that. To me, it sounds like and operates as if Watch My Promise Die has Two separate like story arcs and two separate um, divisions of the song. So in the first half, it's just very like go, go, go and nonstop kind of aggression in that way. And then in the second half, the biggest and brightest moment of it comes when Emma begins to show off her clean vocals. And Emma, for as great and I mean fucking elite of a screamer as she is, her clean vocals are just as pristine as anybody else's in the scene. I really would put her up against any vocalist and she's going to stand 10 toes down on that shit. She is a fucking megastar. And Watch My Promise Die was her avenue to show off every range and all of her versatility and just everything that makes Emma the generational talent that she is. Watch My Promise Die is heavy and emotional and the weight of this song was never able to kind of lift itself off of my shoulders from when I first heard it back towards the end of July. Watch My Promise Die had that kind of a lasting effect on my brain and my heart and my overall core. I fucking love this song. It really, truly might be my favorite Dying Wish song ever. And to me, given just how strongly in favor I feel of the band overall, that really does mean something to me. Number 18 is Anywhere But Here by Katie Drives.
1: Change is not what I.
0: Sometimes, guys, it really just comes down to time and place when you end up discovering a new band or a song or an artist or, you know, whatever the case might be. For myself, this was either at the end of January or the beginning of February. And I just so happened to see a tweet show up on my timeline from Scene Daddy, and it was promoting this single from Katie called Anywhere But Here. And I just went ahead and just checked it out. I I didn't have a real reason to. I just felt like, you know, what's what's the harm in checking out a new artist and hearing a new single? And just right away, immediately, within seconds, Anywhere But Here clicked with me. And I, I still don't really know exactly what it was. I can't put my finger exactly on what it was that just made me gravitate towards his song right away. I don't know if it was the kind of DIY sound to the production. I don't know if it was the very like clean and easy-to-understand flow of like a pop-punk-driven track that Anywhere But Here was rooted in. But regardless, it was the pathway for me to discover Katie and really get a glimpse into how brilliant of a, a singer and songwriter she actually is. The song is in and of itself a lot of fun while still being something that I was able to kind of like really take in the lyrical matter of the track and relate it to various points in time in my life. And that was another outlet for me to just immerse myself in everything that Anywhere But Here was, you know, trying to tell me and... I couldn't get enough of it from that aspect and then also the aspect of it felt very like throwback to a certain time of pop punk in a way but while still pushing the genre forward and I just felt like Katie found this like home and a lot of comfortability in this particular style of a track and anywhere but here. From again the moment that I first heard it at the start of the year and then all the way up to now, it's a constant in my life. I have been able to go back to the song time and time again and still feel so strongly in favor of it because it's just a, a masterpiece. And it's a masterpiece that is going to go under the radar because Katie is not a a giant star, at least, you know, in comparison to Other artists being talked about in the series, but she is, in my estimation, just as talented and just as flawless in her delivery of this track. Number 17 is Good Guy by Against the Current. I have been doing these year-end things for three years now, and for the third year in a row, Against the Current is getting mentioned because they are, at least to me, genuinely and truly one of the greatest bands in the world. One of the best bands that all of us have the privilege of being able to watch and listen to and find so many new reasons to just be drawn to and be connected to. Now, I've said so many times that I have always been a fan of Against the Current. I'm on 10 years now. Like Legitimately, this month, December of 2023, makes 10 years since I came across the video for Closer Faster. And since then, Against the Current has been a band that I always turn to. And I always find them to be insanely reliable when it comes to crafting music that is tailor-made for what it is I'm interested in. And I say all that to say that while I've always been a fan of theirs... The stretch that they have been on since the rollout for Fever began in 2020... To me, that is the best incarnation of Against the Current that has ever existed. This style of their music that doesn't trade any of their intangible elements when it comes to being like a catchy pop band, but throwing in all of these flares of aggression and angst and the irate style that supports a song like Good Guy, that is what has elevated Against the Current to a whole new level in my opinion. And some of the things I mentioned right now, like angst and aggression, Good Guy is an embarrassment of riches when it comes to being able to fit these themes into the style of Against the Current. The track itself is just so infectious and catchy, has one of the best courses of the entire year, one of the best buildups to said chorus. And when everything kind of comes full circle and it comes together, everybody in the band is just shining like the goddamn megastars that they are. I have said so many times over and over again, Chrissy Costanza is one of the best vocalists in the scene. And just any hook or melody, she is able to carry to the highest of heights imaginable for the scene. And lyrically, there are so many like key moments of Good Guy that stand out to me but the one that has just like been uh, like embedded in my brain since first hearing it, fuck whoever taught you how to love like that. And that kind of being the whole crux of the song, it adds to what I said about the anger, the angst behind Good Guy. And it's a song that is as catchy as it is pissed off. And to me... That's when Against the Current is really, really shining through, and that's been the case, again, since the fever rollout. And the band has not stopped once, and I don't see any reason for them to stop anytime soon. They're going to still continue to put out banger after banger after banger after banger, banger, and I'm still going to be here championing them to the fucking highest extent that I possibly can. Number 16 is A Crooked Melody by Holding Absence. So I've had, I believe, like eight months now, basically, to just really gather my thoughts about A Crooked Melody, because since it was number one in Scenic like the week that it released, it was always guaranteed to make it onto this list. I, I didn't necessarily know how high or low it would be. I kind of just needed to, like, sit down and spend some time with the album, The Noble Art of Self-Destruction, and really analyze, like... What are the tracks off of this album that go beyond just being good? Because every song on the album is good. I would even say every song on the album is great. But I wanted to narrow it down. Like, What was the one song by Holding Absence this year that really made an impact? And not just in terms of how I view that band, but also like what song could I not have imagined my life occurring this year without having the knowledge of, per se. And when I really thought about it, I kept coming back to A Crooked Melody. And the conclusion that I've drawn to in my mind by this point, I don't just believe that A Crooked Melody is the best song on The Noble Art of Self-Destruction. There is a real chance in my head that A Crooked Melody is my favorite holding absence song ever. And to me... It's so easy to understand why it is I feel that way, because A Crooked Melody is everything that I know this band to be and everything that I want them to be. This track is just so raw and unapologetic with how it conveys its emotional state. And a large part of that is because of the lyricism on the part of Lucas Woodland and He has, like, rarely been in as prime form as he is on a crooked melody, not just in terms of how he sounds, but then also the exact lyrics that he took this approach with. I've been lost alone inside my mind where the devil on my shoulders crying wolf tonight. I've started thinking that he's right. How could the sum of someone's life be them believing their own lies? And when he's saying all these words, it's almost like he is intentionally keeping his voice grounded as to kind of make you have to like listen in and listen very closely to what it is that he's saying and not just the lyrics that he chose but then also the way he enunciates words and the way that he really uses his voice it is that of a real shining star in the scene I feel like every choice made for the verses was done so with the chorus in mind, and to really build up that giant wall of sound and make these lines hit even harder because of just how emphatic the instrumentation behind it is. Sing myself a crooked melody where I tell myself that it's going to be alright. Yeah, it sets soul on fire, but I'm going to be alright. If I lie myself to sleep, then I'm going to be alright, as long as I don't know. I fucking love the structure of that chorus and how, for three lines, the final stretch of it constantly says going to be all right. And it's as if Lucas is trying to convince himself that everything is going to be all right, that he is going to be all right. And I am right there in alignment with him in terms of, you know, trying to have that sort of optimistic out- outlook on life because I myself am somebody who is just very cynical and pessimistic and I'm constantly having to assure myself that everything is going to be all right even if I don't believe it. And then the way that he closes off that course as long as I don't know as as long as i am like blinded to the reality of the situation at hand i can believe that everything is going to be all right a crooked melody is one of the most important songs of the year because it kind of just like really like forced me to sit down and analyze things in a way where it hurts my head to do so it hurts my soul and my emotions But as long as a crooked melody is the soundtrack to that agony, I don't actually feel agony. I don't actually feel like I'm falling into a pit of despair because there is every twist and turn and hook and melody and rhythm and lyric of a crooked melody to be right there and pull me out of the well. Number 15 is Remember Me by Currents. This time, one year ago, if you had told me that a current song would be in Top 100 for 2023, I most likely would have believed you. Because for myself, Currents have always been a band who I have admired and respected and understood the appeal of, and I've been able to find a lot of enjoyability in their material. If you told me that a song of theirs would have been Number 15, that's where I'm not really sure what my thought process would have really been because, like I just said, there are band who I've always been able to admire and respect. Have I always looked at them as being in elite category and like S-tier, that sort of shit? No, not necessarily. And when Remember Me dropped back on February 1st of this year and I pressed play on it for the first time, I felt like everything that I believed I knew about Currents was proven to be accurate. And then also, I was disproven when it came to my belief that they had any sort of struggles in reaching that really high ceiling and that really high echelon of metalcore acts in the contemporary age. And something that I will add is that I do not believe that Remember Me is the kind of song that was meant to shift the scene. Like, it wasn't a song that I could turn to and say... It had any hand in like moving around the tides of the scene per se, but I believe that it completely shifted Currents and their trajectory because this song made me believe in them to the full ex- extent for the first time the same way that I would metalcore bands who I have always been able to uplift and uphold like Spearbox, Ice Nine Kills, Motionless and White. This song, Remember Me, put Currents in that same conversation. I listened to the production on Remember Me, and it feels so like big time and larger than life. The aura is there. I've been saying aura a couple times in this series, and I feel like Remember Me is a song that just evokes that kind of emotion out of me and it's the kind of song that i will you know get fired up and amped up over talking about because i truly believe it is one of the greatest metalcore songs of all time it has been able to move me to that extent and move me in that manner to the point where i am sitting here just fucking beaming and fucking excited about remember me and thinking back to how this song has been able to shape me for the last near 12 months of of its existence i need to calm the fuck down man God, Remember Me is a fucking beast of a song. And I feel like every single layer of the song and whether Currents is moving into like a, a, a mellow direction in the track or they amplify that intensity and that aggression. It's just fucking A's and Dubs all around, no matter what it is that they're trying to do with the song. I I think it packs a ton of emotion into its lyricism. And what you get here are some of the most just like thought provoking and tear jerking lyrics of the year and infiltrated into a song that maybe doesn't really command that kind of atmosphere at all times but I still feel every line in every note of this song. Again, no matter if it's mellowed out or heavy, Remember Me just kind of has that death grip on me, and I just cannot get enough of what it says in its narrative and just how cathartic of a song this must have been for the members of Currents to be able to put pen to paper to. And I look at that closing stretch of the song and what it kind of has been able to do to my heart and my brain lyrically. Carry the weight of selfless scars we silently crave. Show me your hands and touch the stars with me. Falling walls like mountains from where I stand. You are my family and I will not let hate be my last sin. That ending line... I will not let hate be my last sin. That fucking stabbed me like a dagger through my heart when I heard it the first time and every time that I've heard it since then. And just the way that the song kind of like exits the stage per se from that last line and the guitar notes that just hang on ever so slightly and it's like... The song does not want to let go of you, but it understands that it has to, because that is just the trajectory of life, and that's kind of what Remember Me is getting at. We're all temporarily here we're all going to be gone one day but we would hope that we leave enough of an impression on everybody around us to the point where we will be remembered the way that we loved them and the way that they loved us and remember me is one of the greatest songs i've ever heard in my life and i feel so fucking honored and privileged to be able to exist in the same space of time as remember me number 14 is a smile to make you weaker at the knees by you, me at six. It
1: was just me, it's the kiss death, a common sense. Oh,
0: So I've already mentioned You, Me at Six a few times in this series, and I felt like with each entry beforehand, I was kind of trying to like skirt around the topic when it came to my full and ultimate feelings about You, Me at Six and the year that they had. A Smile to Make You Weaker at the Knees is the highest read song by them on this list, so I feel like now I do have some leeway to say that when... Okay, so Yumi at Six is a band... I kind of have to go a little bit further back than I anticipated. Yumi at Six is a band who I have been into for like over 10 years now. And within that 12, 13 year stretch, whatever it's actually been they've been one of the most frustrating bands for me to try to get behind because sometimes it's felt like, you know, I'm right there with them and the material is on point and it's hitting for a full record cycle. And then the next album comes around and it's not what it is I'm looking for. And then they're back up and they're back down. They're up, they're down. They're hot and they're cold. They go left and then they go right. You know, every metaphor that I can possibly give for the pattern of Yumi at 6, it's just so all over the place and very, um, what's the word? Um, It, it fluctuates. It really, really does and that's kind of why despite Yumi at 6 being a band who I've been into for, again, a really long time now, I've never been able to like actually call myself a devoted fan of theirs. If anything, I've been a devoted fan of certain songs and records, but never really them as a unit. And I say that to say that what they achieved this year on Truth Decay is one of the most remarkable and outstanding things I have ever seen from a band in the alternative space. Because I do believe that Truth Decay is the best album of their careers. And for me to say that fucking You Me at Six put out the best material of their careers year 20 into their tenure and year 8, or not year 8, but album 8 into their discography, it makes no sense. Or at least it, it kind of feels like it would make no sense. But then when I hear a song like A Smile to Make You Weaker at the Knees, it makes all of the sense in the world. Like, just right from the opening seconds of the song all the way into the outro, there is a feeling of joy that is kind of tangled into the composition of A Smile to Make You Weak Earth and Ease that I I was really appreciative of a song like this existing in a time where it did. And, you know, there is a lot of personal things I can say about this track and how it released a week before I found out I was getting laid off from my job and how it released about two weeks after a particularly bad nervous breakdown in front of my mom that was you know just v- very apoplectic let's put it that way and to kind of have a song like a smile to make you weaker at the knees exists in that time I kind of am led to believe that What was going on personally added to what made that joyful sound to this song's production and narrative just kind of shine through a lot more than it maybe could have. And I think kind of putting aside what I've been saying about the joyful way that the song sounds lyrically that also is there although you kind of do have to navigate through the darkness in the words that are chosen here in order to get to that ultimate and grander meaning that is meant to provide you know hope to all of us and i say that because the chorus and specifically the second chorus, kind of really does you know give way for that wish i could fill the hole in your heart should be proud to wear those scars and maybe one day you'll drop your guard and if it ain't easy it ain't easy like it's kind of essentially acknowledging that the like the 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 pathway to happiness and the key to hope and all that sort of shit it's not easy and you know everybody has kind of had to figure that out throughout the years and in terms of growing up and aging you kind of or maybe This is like a generalized uh, statement or assumption, but I just kind of feel like we all end up realizing that the pathway to happiness is not as clear as it was promised to us in a past time. And so we have to kind of find the means to make it there on our own. And like the song says, you know, should be proud to wear those scars. I am guilty in my own right of not really taking the time to, like, really analyze and digest what it is that I've been through, and I don't give myself credit for making it through any of that. I don't give myself any credit for the survival uh, portion of my life, and, you know, maybe I should. Maybe a song like A Smile to Make You Weaker with the Knees is telling me that I should, you know, metaphorically stop and smell the roses or whatever it really is because maybe I do – you know, owe myself that kind of credit. And in turn, maybe you guys all owe yourselves credit that you're not giving yourself. You're not acknowledging what it is that you've been through. And I feel like A Smile to Make You Weaker at the Knees really put that into perspective for me. And that's a big reason why the song is ranked where it is and why I am just kind of like rekindled in my passion for You, Me at Six. Because for them to make a song like this in this day and age and make me really think about my own life because of a You, Me at Six song, in 2023 going into 2024 that's a remarkable accomplishment and i do not want it to be lost on any of you guys just what yumi at 6 really did this year and what they brought to all of us even if you don't know it they brought it number 13 is amp by movements you wear So to me even with the understanding that movements kind of shifted around a lot of things sonically and thematically for the album ruckus AMP was still one of the biggest mind fucks of the year for myself and I say that with endurance and love for what AMP does because it is to me one of the most non movements songs that movements have ever written because when I think of A.M.P., I feel like the initial thoughts that come to mind are very antithetical to what this song actually brings forth with its nature, and that's basically a very verbose way of saying that Movements is to me and will forever always be a sad fucking band, an emo band, a I don't want to say pop punk. I know some people have said that before, but to me, Movements have never really embodied that. They just embody just really like uh, uh, down and um. Nihilistic alt rock, if that makes any kind of sense whatsoever. And all of that is why AMP is very strange and different. And I could sense that from the moment I press play on it. And you have like that guitar intro that leads into this rhythm that is very danceable, very vibey. And again, not something that I would ever truly associate with movements, or at least not something that I thought I would ever be able to. When I reviewed Ruckus back in August, I believe the comparison from uh, or the comparison that I made to Amp was that it reminded me of a lot of what I would hear on a song like Obstacle One by Interpol, and I still stand by that. I feel like that kind of rhythmic sensibility that you get out of Obstacle One, it's very prevalent here on Amp, and it's actually mastered it, in my opinion. I feel like Movements took this song, and even if it's very like um, foreign to what they're used to putting out. They did an outstanding job in making AMP very impactful and for myself successful. And I also really believe that this could be the best vocal performance in the career of Patrick Miranda and just the way that he kind of elevates his voice to hit those high notes in the chorus it is a true thing of beauty something to really marvel at and something that helped catapult amp you know even further in this whole little hierarchy that i've presented here amp is truly an achievement one of the best songs that i've ever heard out of movements one of the best songs i've ever heard in general and i i don't know if i want to say that i want more of this because i feel like AMP exists as like this novel song because there is nothing else movements have ever made that sounds like it. So maybe to me it might be better off being left as just like a one-off thing, but even if it's a one-off thing or they go down this avenue more in the future, I will always be incredibly grateful and thankful for AMP. So now we get to number 12, the top 12, and just a little side note, little tangential type thing, to me this is a very special part of this series. Because, and this isn't meant to be like a glazing session at all, but um, you guys most likely know just how much uh, the state of the scene has influenced me. And, you know, this whole podcast would not exist without them. The formula and the model definitely would not. And when I first found SOTS, this is what they were doing. You know, they would do top 12 uh, singles and albums and that sort of shit. And to me, being able to do like a top 12 of my own... That's heartfelt. It genuinely is. So, you know, all the love to SOTS, all the love to anybody who has paved the way for me to even have a chance at doing something like this. Number 12 is Dark Side by Bring Me the Horizon. Is this the innovation that Bring Me the Horizon are known for? No. Is it going to change the landscape of the scene? No. Is it even going to change the landscape of Bring Me the Horizon? No. But it doesn't need to. Because it's fucking Darkseid. I-, I feel like the. Or at least something that I can kind of uh, say about Darkseid is that it is one of the most That's the Spirit esque sounding songs that Bring Me the Horizon have released in their time frame post That's a Spirit. And that's always going to be very special to me. That's always going to be a sound that, you know, I will ride or die for because that's the spirit is one of the greatest albums of all time in my opinion it is the album that set bring me the horizon on the course to kind of be where they are and branch out the way that they have i literally have the fucking umbrella form or from the album cover on my uh my finger as a tattoo so whenever bring me the horizon dive into this bag i'm right there you know i will be there no matter what there are so many elements to Darkseid that I just fucking adore, uh, one of them being in the verse, you have like this pulsating bass rhythm that is the perfect uh, complementary piece to Ollie Sykes kind of having this whisper effect on his voice, and like he's not going full throttle at all in the song at the verse, but it's one of those portions, and I forgot what song I said this for earlier, but you kind of have to like, you know, move your ear up to the, you know the, uh, the speakers per se, and... Just really listen in, really listen closely to the technique that he's using on his voice, the lyrics that he's saying, and I feel like that's a part of what made me like really zone in on Dark Side from the first listen, and what really made me pay attention to everything that it was doing. This song might genuinely have what I believe to be one of the best choruses ever written by Bring Me The Horizon, and the energy and the bounce that it brings, Like it is so easy to imagine this song in a live setting, and I feel like that's something that Bring Me the Horizon, you know, they might go into a studio session with that in mind, and if that was like a goal that they set for themselves with Darkseid, they exceeded any possible expectations. Darkseid is tremendous. Number 11 is Full Tilt by Johnny Booth. Something that I vividly remember saying about Full Tilt back when I reviewed the album that it's part of, Moments Elsewhere, was that at that particular moment in time, in July of this year, I was not sure if there was any song in the world at that present moment that I enjoyed listening to more than Full Tilt. And all of these months later, I am left with the belief that Johnny Booth not only put out the best song of their careers with Full Tilt... But they put out a song that had... This had more eyes and ears on it. This could have genuinely shifted the scene in some manners. Full Tilt has kind of this extended intro. And all throughout it, it just sounds like Morse code or like pressing a phone key over and over again. Hopefully you guys know what kind of sound it is I'm trying to uh, you know, convey through my words. But it's very... Like drawn out, but it's not drawn out in a way where I'm sitting there, like, okay, get this part over with. Let's get to the actual music. I'm just there, like, man, what is this? Like, this is a very interesting and unique and overall just really cool way to build up to your wall of sound, just, you know, completely bashing the listener in the face. It is a very tactical and methodical approach to making full tilt really mean more once the rest of the band comes in and when the the whole band comes in on this track there is th- there aren't many feelings in the world that i can compare it to when it comes to what music has been able to do for me it is just this like very euphoric experience and it was a, a moment in time that i really wish i could bottle because the way that my body felt and the expressions that i was making with my face when i heard full tilt for the first time it was that of like a little kid discovering like a new favorite candy or a new hyperfixation, like that sort of shit is what it really felt like when i heard full tilt i think the guitar work is another portion of this song that really stood out to me because it manages to be very impactful in any section of the song no matter if it is heavy or Things are like really scaled back and they sound very atmospheric. The guitar work is always on point with Full Tilt, as is everybody else in the band. Every performance here individually just made for this collective monstrosity of a song that I could not pull myself away from back when I first heard it in May. And then even all the way till now in December, you put on Full Tilt, I am like, I'm having like an outer body experience whenever I hear this song. And overall, there are so many different layers to Full Tilt that... It kind of presents itself as a song where I could be listening to this for the 500th time in my lifetime. And I feel like there will still be some kind of a production element that I might have missed out on the other 499 times. I'm just discovering a new reason each time I hear Full Tilt to just further adore and love this song. It is everything that I ask for for music to be... Just very invigorating and Full Tilt never loses any bit of its momentum or steam or the cool factor if you want to like call it that. It has always been just this very like gorgeous experience that reminds me each and every time I hear it why I have the attachment to heavy music that I do. Number 10 is Granite by Sleep Token.
1: On the street, you gave me nothing whatsoever but a reason to leave. You say you want me, I should know I'm no should need a that I tell like you me i like you only brought me in a dead below me. Never mind the death threats, falling
0: at the door. We rather be if this hasn't already been a point that I have hammered in either subtly or obviously throughout the series then i feel like this final part of the 100 songs series will be where my true feelings for sleep token really surface and surface to the level that i've kind of always wanted to express to you guys throughout the course of this past year and i i think granite might speak more to what it is about Sleep Token that I already liked before this year. And what I mean by that is I've always been able to identify Sleep Token as an incredibly versatile band who can take a song into whatever direction they wanted to. I've always known that. Even if songs from Sundowning or This Place Will Become Your Tomb didn't necessarily... You know, meet the criteria of what it is I, I like to enjoy in my music. I still really, really liked the idea of Sleep Token and the concept of them being able to just make whatever kind of a song it was that they wanted to. And, and I say all that to say that Granite has so many layers to it that do not fit in with much else that is present here on Take Me Back to Eden. But it is that adventurous risk that Sleep Token took with Granite that made it so easy for me to just immediately fall in love with the song from the second I heard it. From the second that you get that synthesized intro that leads into Vestal just giving these very breathtaking lines and doing so with a breathtaking cadence. Sulfur on your breath granite in my chest. You will never have to talk about it. You'll never want to talk about it. Fury too damn late. Reason dislocates. Soon, you'll never have to talk about it. You never want to talk about it. I was more than just a body in your passenger seat. You were more than just somebody I was destined to meet. I see you go half blind when you're looking at me, but I am. Between the secondhand smoke and the glass on the street, you gave me nothing whatsoever but a reason to leave. You say you want me, but you know I'm not what you need, but I am. I did not intend right now to just run off through four full stanzas of granite, but I just- I couldn't stop myself. I started kind of visualizing in my mind the uh, the visualizer for the track and the the way that uh, vessel is giving these lines, and it just kind of like it, it overtakes my my soul and, and my being. That is the power of granite. And again, all of this is done. Through the course of a track that starts off very minimalistic. There's hardly anything really going on outside of, you know, the synths that are uh, laid over Vessel's voice. And then slowly but surely, over the course of Granite, you get the Rest of Sleep token coming in and they kind of file in in this very appropriate manner that allows Granite the time and the space and the canvas to become as full-fledged as it is in terms of being one of, in my opinion, the best songs on Take Me Back to Eden and one of the best songs that Sleep Token have ever written. And when the rest of the band finally comes in towards the end of the track and you get that real like, grimy, heavy feeling that you can find on so many other sections of Take Me Back to Eden, that is where Granite is fully realized. It is no longer a song that I am just able to relax to. It is now a song that I want to go out and fight the goddamn world to that is the effect that granite had on me from the moment i heard it back at the start of the year all the way until now at the end of the year granite became easily one of the most powerful songs of the year and one of the fucking best number nine is cellar door by spirit box So, by this point in the series, I have talked about nearly every song on The Fear of Fear, which was Spiritbox's EP from back in November, just a month ago. I don't know why I said back like as if it was fucking ages. Um, anyways, whatever. And something that I really tried hammering in when talking about songs like um, Too Close, Too Late or Ultraviolet was that something Spiritbox did on The Fear of Fear was take the like softer, not as heavy um, characteristics of the band and just find a way to flesh them out and make them a very crucial and important part of the package that is the Fear of Fear. And on the opposite end of that, You have a song like Cellar Door, which is not muted, not quiet, not subtle in any fashion. This is one of the heaviest songs that Spearbox have ever written, and it is also, in my opinion, one of the best. And part of the song's presentation that makes it heavy, and this is just something that I picked up on as somebody who was present back in the mid-2010s for... The run of Iris of the Bear Once that Courtney and Mike were a part of, there are some very intricate details to Stellar Door that remind me of something that, again, these people would have been doing as part of Iris of the Bear Once. The heaviness, the, the chaos that is infused into the track, the very, like, at times odd structure, it, it, it feels like Courtney and Mike kind of brought with them these ideas that, you know, could have been brewing in their minds for close to a decade at this point, and laying them out as part of Cellador and finding a way to make these very heavy elements fit right in with an EP that has a lot of heart and emotion poured into it. I feel like that is a genuine fucking accomplishment on the part of Spearbox and anybody involved with the production of this project. And I'm not even somebody who is like, you know, my metalcore has to be strictly metalcore. It cannot have any sort of like radio elements put into it. Like I'm far from that. But If Spirit Box wanted to make Cellar Door and different variations of of this song for the rest of their careers, there is no reason for me to not be on board with that, just given the quality of Cellar Door. And beyond just the quality, the presentation of it, because the music video for Cellar Door, it is very dark and dirty, and it's like in the midst of a storm, and there's just like... The effects of the video make it to where there's like darkness consuming the band at once and at the, or for the entire duration of the video. And it is the perfect visualization for Cellar Door and this kind of a diabolical sounding song, it demanded that kind of an atmosphere and that kind of an aura to support it. And there is a section later on in the track that commences the breakdown to cellar Door and the build up to it, the complete calamity that is going on in the background and Courtney's screams just provide the absolute perfect, just fucking perfect, guys, build up to that breakdown. There is a chain that I don't believe in. There is a strain on the tempered ceiling. My lungs are full of the pain of feeling. I can't live in this world while I breathe in another one. And then right after Courtney says, I can't live in this world while I breathe in another one, she like fucking smashes the ground. And then there's a shot of her with the rest of the band. And like, there's a blue light just barely illuminating their faces. It is the perfect, and I keep saying this over and over again, perfect and perfect and perfect, but that's really what this song is, that's really what the video is, and my whole point is that the visualizer for Cellar Door is one of the coolest things that I got to watch this year as part of the scene. Cellar Door is one of the coolest songs I got to listen to, and it added another notch under the belt in the discography of one of the coolest bands to just consume and be a fan of in this day and age of the scene. Number eight is I Wish You Could See Yourself the Way the Rest of the World Does by Harm. So, I've already spoken about Harm a number of times throughout this series. And I think the point that I keep coming back to is nostalgia. There is a true nostalgic element to the type of metalcore and post hardcore that Harm put out this year. And it's a style that much of my adolescent years are rooted in. And that's kind of what made it so easy for me to connect to everything that this band did on the record, a song you can't feel anymore. And out of every new song that Harm had this year, I wish you could see yourself the way the rest of the world does was to me the pinnacle of all of that. And the song wastes genuinely no time getting into the rhythm of things, because right as soon as it comes on, the full band is just going off and firing on all cylinders, and it's a very cool way to, you know, kind of bring somebody on board if this happened to be the first time that they were listening to Harm. And I also think that this song is the perfect way to spotlight Billy, who is, in my opinion, one of the most overlooked and underrated vocalist in the scene today and when i say spotlight i mean because the song paces itself so well and you get this balance of sections where everything is kind of quiet and then in comparison there are sections where the entire band is just you know making case for themselves to be some of the best musicians in the world And no matter how much calamity is going on around Billy, she is able to show off every bit of prowess that she has to offer to the scene. And lyrically, this is another song that, you know, like many other things that Harm did on this record, it pierces my soul. It is just so euphoric and hard to get through at times, but very, very necessary to somebody like myself. The chorus of this track has potentially my favorite line of the entire year for any song. They say that the mirror tells the truth while it's lying to my face like it's got nothing to prove. This song is a giant emotional roller coaster, and even if that's a term that can be applied to basically every track here on A Song You Can't Feel Anymore, I think in most cases, it was not more true and profound than it was on i wish you could see yourself the way the rest of the world does if you're somebody who is really into you know that aged style of metalcore and post hardcore where there's not really much structure going on and it feels very like emotionally um weighing in, in terms of how it sounds then this is a song that you can easily sink your teeth into. If you're open to trying something new out, then I would say, please, 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 please give this song or any song off of a song you can't feel anymore a chance for that matter. Because above all else, Harm is a band who we all need to be paying attention to. Number seven is Anti-Matter by Silent Planet. So, in any like year-end list that you guys read on Twitter or you listen to somebody speak about in any or, or on any platform, antimatter is going to show up for a lot of people. Um, you know, when it dropped, it felt very important, and it, it felt like so many people were on board with antimatter, and I, I was one of them. I was somebody who was just singing all of the praises in the world for this song. And that's because I really did believe and still believe to this day that this is the best Silent Planet song ever made. And it's also one of the most unique. When I first listened to Antimatter, the song that came to mind immediately, not because it really sounded like it, but it kind of just had a similar atmosphere that made me think of it. And that was doomed by *Bringing of the Horizon and also um, Sun Killer by Spirit Box. The very like electronic-based buildup that is so pulsating through your own heartbeat, it made for this really sick and just overall fucking admirable buildup in antimatter. And having Garrett Russell just kind of whisper into the microphone and be as methodical with his approach to the track as the rest of the band around him is. Antimatter had the perfect build and the perfect setting of the stage for that wall of sound to just kick the living fucking shit out of you once it commences. And then it literally sounds like that portion of the song is taken away from you and you once again have to, you know, go back to that electronic build with Garrett speaking to you and it's all like invigorating in the same way. It all felt very refreshing. And not that Silent Planet is a band that needed like a refreshing of their pattern in any way, because I've always believed that they're one of the best metalcore bands in the world at any given time, any you know, record cycle of theirs. But Antimatter still felt like something that maybe it wasn't necessary, but I am just so thrilled and elated over the fact that it happened. And when the second chorus comes in and the song kind of like finally realizes and fulfills its entire purpose... Antimatter just instantly became a song that I could not live without. I cannot imagine the last five months without Antimatter because it is that important of a song. It is that much of a bookmark on my life. And again, I really do believe that this is the best that Silent Planet has ever sounded. And I will forever cherish this song. And again, you guys are going to see and hear a lot of fucking praise for antimatter over the next few weeks for other people's year-end stuff. And to me, it's a popular answer because it is also a right answer. Number six is The Void by Spiritbox. So I already talked about Cellar Door on the episode and how blistering of a song it is for Spirit Box. And now here is something that exists on the opposite end of that spectrum. The Void was the lead single for The Fear of Fear and it was the kind of song that felt like Spirit Box really like channeling a lot of what I consider to be the finer moments off of Eternal Blue. And you have a song here that admittedly It's pretty straightforward. There's not much of a risk taken with the song. It's very... uh, Like, it was a very safe play of a track for Spirit Box to not only write, but also put out as the lead single for the EP. And I believe that was the right choice. And I think every choice made for The Void from a production standpoint to the structure of it and deciding, like, what moments needed what kind of an atmosphere... That was also perfect. I think the first verse is one of the like biggest standouts of not only the song, but the EP altogether. Because you have Courtney giving the lines, Took a walk to the water at night. No one waits with a light in the dark because I like to sleep alone. And in that specific section, you hear like the guitar just very faintly um making sure that these notes are coinciding with Courtney's voice and the entire band just knows when to like be as powerful as her and also they know when to allow her center stage a- and be the focal point of the track The Void manages to sound frantic in its instrumentation without ever once actually being frantic. It's not moving at a pace that it does not like fit the atmosphere it is just right where it needs to be the entire band is right where they should be when it comes to making sure that the void works as well as it does and it sounds as impactful as it does and there are so many other moments lyrically that i can say courtney just outdid herself on and just like the way that she again compliments the instrumentation Curse is lost to an imminent danger, touch a razor blade to the sky, like a crush, I need someone to break my fall. That specific pre-course to the second course, that was another instance of the song just managing to be larger than life and break through any barriers that somebody, you know, could have set for the sonic tone of Spearbox and the void, like I've already said, It's a safe play of a song. If you want something, you know, darker and more grimy, you can get that on this EP. You can go to Celador. you can go to Angel Eyes, but for somebody like myself who I will always have such a close attachment to this side of Spirit Box, The Void is what really stood tall to me as the best song off of The Fear of Fear, and in general, one of the best songs that Spirit Box have ever put out. Number five is Seeing Negative Disappointment by Honey Revenge. (laughs) I'm not going to waste any time getting to, like, the main hook of this entry. Seeing Negative Disappointment is, in my opinion, the pop punk song of the year. Every year, I feel like there is a pop-punk song that makes it to where I can never lose hope or faith in the genre. Despite continuously, you know, having expectations not be met when it comes to other pop-punk releases, seeing a negative disappointment is one of the greatest songs I've ever listened to in the genre. And now I'm going to kind of calm down because I have... I feel like I've been raising my voice a lot over the last few entries, but like this is just the, the the level of excitement that these songs bring to me. Like this is why all of these songs made it to where they did on this list. Why they stand where they are as some of my favorite songs of the year. And seeing negative disappointment, I feel like there's a much larger conversation that can be had about the band Honey Revenge, and I kind of alluded to it earlier in this series. If you put Honey Revenge in their standing last year against their standing right now for myself in my own head, not the same band. Honey Revenge became one of the biggest standout bands of the year for me. And a big fucking reason for that was Sing Negative. And I I really do believe that what it was about Sing Negative that grabbed me right away was how much it reminded me of a Sonic Adventure song. I know that's like kind of a weird thing to to put out there but as somebody who grew up with Sonic Adventure like I legitimately can remember being five years old and just seeing a Dreamcast in my bedroom one day with that game it was like, the music from that game really did help shape what it was that I would be getting into later on in life, and seeing a Negative, it just has that kind of an energy to it right when you press play on it. It reminds me so much of what I could have heard on that game, and I guess specifically Tails theme, Believe in Myself, from the first game. It has that same kind of cadence to it, and it was so easy to sucker me into this song for those reasons. Out of every strength and upside to Honey Revenge that they were able to display for all of us on the album Retrovision, none of it shined brighter and more furiously than it did with Sing Negative. And any time that I listen to this song, which is basically every day at this point, there is a particular section in the second chorus that expands on what the song had left off from the first chorus, That it just feels like every idea and concept that makes Honey Revenge who they are. This is where it like really, really clicked with me. And in my first listen to A Virtual Vision, I was like, okay, this band, they've got it. And they've figured it out so quickly. And it's the part where Devin says, I'm desperate, swing and a miss. I've had enough disappointment. And like I said, I would just play it. Over and over again, I would sing it to myself over and over again, and that's kind of uh, a big part of the infectious and addictive nature that Honey Revenge just found so effortlessly, and again, seeing negative was the biggest moment in this band's discography for myself this year, and if I can point to one particular instance of time where i could like right before me see honey revenge go from a good band with promise to a perfect band with the world at their fingertips it was when i first heard seeing negative disappointment number four is aqua regia by sleep token Her an annotation made on the genius page for Aquaregia, it says here, Aquaregia, Latin for royal water or king's water, is an acidic mixture of both hydrochloric and nitric acids. It is yellow to orange in color and is extremely corrosive. Brother, I don't know what the fuck any of that means. I, I majored in communication in college so that I wouldn't need to deal with any alchemist terms like that. So I am just going to say that the official definition of Aquaresia should be one of the greatest songs ever made, one of the most beautiful creations that any collection of human minds have ever been able to craft in the name of music. Some of what I said earlier about granite, it's also applicable to Aquaregia in the sense that This is Sleep Token kind of just expanding their wings and their horizons and really playing to the strengths of everybody involved and the different backgrounds that they come from, the different influences that they have within music and all that sort of stuff. But what separates Aquaregia from Granite is that Granite eventually does kind of explode into the heavier realm for Sleep Token, whereas Aquaregia, it never once does. Vessel never screams. He never really raises his voice. The song never finds roots within uh, aggression and things like that. It is very fucking mellow, very chill, very relaxed. Aquaresia is a song that I can just put on and lie down in bed and just close my eyes and not have a single worry in the world not have anything bring me down just like my world becomes very quiet and all to myself whenever I hear Aquaregia and another element to Aquaregia that has been able to make it to where the song can just stick in my head from January all the way until now is just the vibe that it gives off. It has a very casino feel to its arrangement, and a lot of that does in turn remind me of a song that would have been in Persona 5, and I've said Persona 5 a couple times throughout the years when relating the way that a song sounds to how it's able to impact me and affect me, And Akarigia has that cadence to it. The piano within Akarigia is just very pristine and beautiful. And everything that made Akarigia what it is, it was necessary. You remove one piece of the metaphorical puzzle here, and I feel like Akarigia is not the same song. It doesn't have the same level of effectiveness. But because Akarigia exists in the state that it does... It was very, very easy for me to turn to the song and, you know, comfortably call it one of the top five best songs of the entire year. Number three is So Far So Fake by Pierce The Veil. So, let's talk about it. Let's talk about Pierce the Veil in 2023 because this is my only chance I'm going to get to do so. They didn't have any other appearance on this Top 100 list. And they're also not on the Top 50 Records series. And that's that's weird to me. And again, there was a large conversation about Pierce the Veil that I will try to condense into this entry right now but basically the jaws of life which was the piece of album that came out back in february was in some ways one of the most disappointing records of the entire year and it was disappointing because i felt like it had a pretty good singles rollout from pastor nirvana into emergency contact There was hope and there was a lot of excitement on my end for The Jaws of Life. And then the album came out and it was largely just lifeless. Like there was a lot of nothing that existed on that record. And I was kind of checked out on it while I was making my way through it for the initial listen. It was missing many of those key moments and the factor of sorts that I believe every Pierce the Veil album beforehand, you know, was able to possess. And then towards the end of the track list, there's a song called So Far So Fake. And and I've looked into the song a little bit since then. Not a little bit, actually, a lot because I'm fucking obsessed with the song. And what I found was that This was the oldest song that made The Jaws of Life. It was initially written back in 2017. It was a song that the band started to piece together pretty quickly after Misadventures. And hearing the song in that context, it made a lot of sense. I could tell that this is a song that kind of you know, was meant to bridge the gap between Misadventures and The Jaws of Life, but So Far So Fake had way more in common with Misadventures than anything on The Jaws of Life. The very, like, quiet and in some ways just slightly ominous intro with the guitar for So Far So Fake I felt like was the perfect way to you know kind of create the path for Vic to come in and start giving these lines that are just laced with the same kind of despair that he is so used to and he excels at at this point. And it feels like with this song there is this division between the verse and the chorus just in terms of how like very slow and methodical the pacing to the verse is and then the chorus while it is not as like bright and soaring as other Pierceville choruses it just feels like the perfect way to balance out the ideas of So Far So Fake and it is the exact kind of chorus that the song called for and then you get into the second verse and it feels like everything is just reeled back it was as if pierce the veil you know like kind of lifted you up and rose you to prominence with the chorus and then they just kind of settle you back down and it's like just wait not yet you know the song is not ready to really kick into that full gear just yet and then the second chorus does commence and the expansion on it provided one of the coolest lines of the entire year from any band and I just like I keep repeating it to myself and that's been the case since February I keep it hundred in case you twist your blade I cut you out because I don't think that I'm sick and then after that we get to the bridge and the bridge is a really fascinating part of this song because it's so minimalistic, and for a band like Pierce deville, who I am so used to a lot of my favorite moments and songs from them revolving around, just you know kind of bouncing off the walls and all that sort of hyper shit, the bridge is so far so fake it's it's almost nothing it's just like a guitar plucking the strings being like. Dun, 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 dun. That was a shitty-ass way of, like, kind of relaying what that sounds like, but it, it makes sense sort of in my head. It just, like I said, it, it sounds like nothing, as if the band was just like, yeah, so we'll just, like, do this one thing, and then this one other thing for the bridge of the song, and you know what? It's gonna be one of the coolest parts of the entire record. It is going to be this layer on top of everything else for So Far So Fake that really makes it one of the best Pierce DeVille songs ever made. That's genuinely what my mind has resorted to now for So Far So Fake. This is one of the best songs Pierce DeVille have ever made. And I knew that right from the moment I first listened to So Far So Fake. And each time afterwards, I am reaffirmed in that headspace. So Far So Fake overachieved because... It exists on an album that is largely bad, and I feel like that's another reason why it is this high on the list. Because it kind of should not be there. It should not even be a conversation for me to say that Pierce the had one of the, the best songs of 2023 when I also believe they had one of the worst albums. But that's just where everything landed. That's where my, my mind is at right now. And there is nothing that anybody can do or say that changes how I feel about So Far So Fake and the impact that it's been able to have on me. And again, how so many different times I've been able to hear this song throughout the year and it always just hits it's always there for me so far so fake is fucking phenomenal so now we've made it to the top two and the reason why i'm kind of you know taking this pause briefly to mention that is because uh, there was a real dilemma i had in my head over the last few weeks about the number one spot because i knew in my head what number one should be. Not just that, I knew in my head, in my heart, what song should be number one. And I also knew that there was a number two song that was like right there in the conversation. But I had to really, really think about it and kind of just, you know, ask myself, which of these two songs really did define the year for myself? Which song am I going to immediately think about whenever I think of the year 2023 in the future and putting these discussions or or these internal discussions into that context, I feel like I know what to do right now. And I know what the right choice is. I do not need to overcomplicate anything. This is where my heart and my head landed for this year. Number two, And the runner up for the Levi and Armin Award for 2023 is lost by Bring Me the Horizon. I am of the belief that in any of the two prior years that I've been doing year-end awards for this show, so 2021 and 2022, I think Lost would have won Song of the Year for both of those years. Because Lost really does speak so heavily and highly to what it is about Bring Me the Horizon that has made them my favorite band, and in my opinion, the greatest band of all time. Lost does not sound like anything else in the discography of Bring Me The Horizon, and that's what separates it from Amen and Dark Side. I love those two songs so much, but they're rooted in styles that Bring Me The Horizon has ventured into before. Whereas Lost, I, I don't even know what you would call this song, because... It has some pop-punk characteristics, it has some emo characteristics, and some fucking 8 or 16-bit type shit going on at the same time. It is just this weird amalgamation, but I say all this and I remind you guys that right now, we're talking about Bring Me The Horizon, who have kind of made a career out of weird amalgamations. So Lost being this very unique package, it... Like That's just what I've come to expect from Bring Me The Horizon at at certain points. I know that they're going to give me something that I cannot identify with any other song or any other band in any manner whatsoever. Lost just had that immediate effect on me. That weird little synthesized intro that goes into this really catchy rhythm. And then in the verse, Ollie Sykes, at this point, bro is just saying shit to say shit like they're very strange lyrics and i've always been in that mindset and i can acknowledge that yeah it's a very strange song from a thematic standpoint watching evangelion with a big fat slug of ketamine i lost the plot a little while ago my dog just died my friends hate me i saw myself on mtv and my ego is not my amigo yeah sure whatever It works, though. It's fucking Bring Me the Horizon. There's nothing that this band cannot achieve when they set their mind to it. And for a song like Lost to have all of these layers to its character and narrative, and to still constantly be a song that in any second of its runtime, I can be sitting there and just be taken aback and be like, holy shit, wow, this is genuinely fucking sensational. And the part of Lost that like really, really shook me to my core and made it to where a conversation had to be had with myself about if this could have been the best song of the year was the build-up to the breakdown and then the breakdown itself. Because the build-up, you just have Ollie in this robotic voice saying, if I keep this up, I think I'm gonna break down. And it's so meta to have the line, I think I'm going to break down, be the breakdown call for the song. And then it goes into a breakdown that might be my favorite that Bring Me The Horizon have ever made. It is just so engraved with the weird nuances of Lost. And it's the kind of song that I am circling back to the center of at any given moment because every idea and concept of loss ends up making perfect sense by the end of its duration. Maybe you, as a listener, you get like, no pun intended, loss in the sections of this song and kind of diving through the layers. But then by the end of it, I don't believe there's room for you to be confused or puzzled or perplexed in any way because at the end, everything comes together. Everything makes sense. Loss is just that kind of a fucking song that has that power over me to where I am sitting here and saying that there are years of past time where Loss would have been number one. Loss would have been the best song of the year. In almost any year except for this one. And when I think about what I've actually selected as the number one song of the year, it's weird. It's fucking weird because of how I felt about this band coming into this year and... We're going to get into it now. I've kind of hinted at it throughout the episode and the series altogether, but right now is the point in time for me to really dive into what it is I'm trying to say about this next song. Number one, my choice for the song of the year, 2023 for Ulterior, and the winner of the third annual. Levi and Armin Ward is the summoning by sleep token. So let's have the conversation that I've been alluding to, and it's something that I really tried to mention when reviewing Take Me Back to Eden back in May, and that has to do with my feelings about Sleep Token before this year. I didn't like them. I... There are songs here and there like Alkaline and Bloodsport that I was able to get into. But as an entire project and as an entire unit, Sleep Token was lost on me. I adored the the aesthetics of the band and the idea behind Vessel and the whole like ritualistic side of Sleep Token. I fucked with that like forever. I was into that. But then when it came to the actual music, I more often than not was bored listening to Sleep Token. And that's just me keeping it a stack with all of you. That's what the band was like to me at that time. And I couldn't really say it publicly for fear at the time of, you know, somebody finding a review that I did and then being like, oh, fuck this guy. He doesn't like Sleep Token, you know? Um, that's why my review for This Place Will Become Your Tomb back in 2021 was favorable, even though I was lying in that review. I don't really like that album, but I couldn't bring myself to say that publicly, so I just lied and said that I liked it. And I kind of thought that that's what would have to happen with any Sleep Token record moving forward. I thought I was going to need to sit here and maybe not outwardly lie anymore... We just bend the truth and say that I like something even if I didn't really like it. And then my year started off with The Summoning. Like, I genuinely think this could have been one of the first, like, five or ten songs in the year that I listened to. And, like I said, I thought maybe I would need to go about reviewing Sleep Token by being like, yeah, this is cool, you know, but sheltering what it was that I really felt. And the summoning just showed up in my life. And I, I don't know if I've ever seen this happen before. In my 21 or 22 years of being, you know, somebody who just intakes scene music and revolves a big portion of my life around it. I cannot recall my entire perception of a band changing with one song one listen through of the summoning is all that it took for me to just flip every opinion that i had on sleep token in just the, the snap of a finger the summoning is one of the most powerful songs i have ever heard in my life because of what it managed to do over a 6 minute run time. I was suddenly on board with Sleep Token. And all it took was... Everything! And I say everything because I feel like that is what was put into the summoning. The summoning does not have a label or a box that you can put it in. Because it is... Anything and everything that you can imagine Sleep Token being. The summoning is heavy, it is beautiful, it is monstrous, it is confusing, it is cathartic, it is euphoric, it is sensational, it is generational, it is perfect. Anything that I can possibly put a a positive connotation on, that is what the summoning ended up doing. And because you can't box the summoning, It became one of the coolest journeys I've ever been able to take as a music fan. Because one second I'm like, oh, this song is heavy. And then the next it's like, oh no, Vessel is fucking serenading me. And then later on, it's like... I don't know what this song is meant to be because it just feels like a complete mess and mashup of ideas that, again, maybe it shouldn't work, but it works to the extent where I'm sitting here telling you guys, I think this is the best song of the year, and I think this is one of the best songs of all time. Top 20, top 15, I don't know what it exists in right now in my head, but it is there. And then as the song progresses and you get to its final arc, per se, you get the outro that fucking everybody talked about, everybody reacted to on YouTube, everybody used the sound of it on TikTok. Every single person in the scene heard that outro and they had an opinion on it. And so many have said opinions were rooted in, this is fucking excellent and great and i feel like even people who have been riding for sleep token this entire time even they were blindsided by that outro section and there's really no other way for me to phrase what that outro section sounds like it is horny metalcore it is the most like funk bass inspired bit of music that Sleep Token could have ever put out. And it is so antithetical to the idea of the summoning and just how heavy that song got in some moments of its runtime. But then that outro section, it feels like it exists on its own island, but it is an island that I want to be on. I want to be part of it. By the time I finish the summoning Like I said, I became a full-fledged Sleep Token fan because of one song, and that is powerful. That is musicianship. That is putting all of your chips into one pile and just betting on yourself to make something that is not just good in the time frame that it releases in, but I believe the summoning is going To be a song that in 5, 10, 15, 20 years from now, I will still be looking back on and saying that song changed everything. That song changed the fucking game. And it's not just an an opinion that I am saying. You can look at the numbers on streaming for Sleep Token, and there is a direct correlation between Where they were at beforehand and the rise that they saw in their numbers and the release of The Summoning. The Summoning had a big hand in Sleep Token getting to do so many amazing things in the year. The band just played Wembley Arena and you can thank The Summoning for being a big reason why that happened. Sleep Token became... Larger than life. They became the biggest band in the scene, arguably because of the summoning, and I myself became a giant fan of Sleep Token overnight, definitively because of the summoning. There was no way for me to deny the summoning this number one spot. Because of all that, yes, loss is a great song. yes, so far so fake overachieved. yes, uh, uh, seeing negative disappointment is one of the best pop punk songs I've ever listened to in my life. So many songs in this top ten had a case. antimatter had a case. the void had a case. I wish you could see yourself the way the rest of the world does. I was in my head thinking, you know maybe this could be the best song of the year. But anytime I had that inkling in my mind, I always reverted back to the summoning and I just, I could not deny how important of a song this is to me. And for it to have released in January and all the way throughout the year mean that much to me, like that has to speak to something. And I believe what it speaks to is just that the summoning really is the best song of the year. I have never seen one song do for a band what it did for Sleep Token in both my own personal eyes and then also from a metric standpoint. I always say for the love of the game at the end of every episode, and that game was forever changed by the summoning. And that's it. That was my 2023 edition of Top 100 Songs of the Year. This was a very taxing and tiring process, but also one filled with reward. Because I got to sit here for the last couple of days and just talk to you guys about music that I love and And music that has really shaped me and, and impacted me, and music that will stick with me for the rest of my life and that that's that that's one of the coolest things that I get to do on this show is just share that passion with you guys and you know, I hope maybe you guys discovered new songs in this list, maybe you rediscovered a song, maybe I gave an opinion that you you know you fuck with and you you connect with because maybe some of these songs are also on your personal list just whatever the case may be if you made it to the end of this episode and you stuck with the series and you gave everything that I've been trying to say a chance genuinely from the bottom of my heart thank you thank you so much and Please come back when I do all this over again for the top 50 records because I've got some shit to say. More shit than I had right now. I've, I'm a fucking waffle and I do not apologize for that. Thank you for listening. I really hope you guys enjoyed this series and as always, for the love of the game, And for my cat, who is eating in the background... Let's make a scene.